Hey y'all, it is Vic. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Black Chillerettes with Vic and Mai. This season, if you have listened to our first two episodes, you will know that we have gone rogue. It is exciting. We are really ready to get into this season. It's going to be so amazing. This first episode, these first two episodes are about an incredible, incredible series that's on. And no, it is not The Bachelor because you know, we gone rogue. We didn't left that behind for now or maybe forever. That's too much. All right, y'all, let's get into it. Well, welcome back or welcome to something new, which is The Black Chillerette's Gone Rogue our first official episode of this rogue season yeah we're taking a hard left (laughs) (laughs) we're taking a hard left that is true uh yeah we essentially this is where we decided to start and some people may have predicted it because uh we've stayed in the same I don't even want to say family because it's not the same. They family. definitely ain't in the same family. Okay. They're not in the same family. Um, <laughs> but they but we are have part of the same network. So Network. Yeah. We have stayed with the same network. I'm going to let you talk because I'm about to yawn. Of course. Yeah. Um, so as some of you have predicted, we have indeed stayed within the same network. And yes, we are starting off with women of the movement. As some of you yes. may know, um, Adrian Warren, who stars as Mamie Till Mobley in this mm-hmm. series, is a friend of the podcast. <laughs> um, but mm-hmm. more than anything, uh, Mamie Till Mobley and Emmett Till's story have been uh, stories that Victoria and I have been affected by um, for much of our lives. And so we thought, as ABC is taking the time to center and make space for this story to be told with this new series courtesy of rock nation jay-z's uh production company and westbrook production studios mr will's production company we thought it would be really cool to center and take space by centering the black stories that are being told on this network for the first couple episodes Mm -hmm. rather Mm -hmm. than spending our tuesday monday tuesday when does the bachelor come i don't know (laughs) i i know it's so crazy because not watching it has just made me feel so free Ah! Um, but it does come out on mondays okay i do remember seeing it yeah on a monday night Uh, like seeing it on the guide seeing all the tv guide as you were scrolling away yes got you yes or running away i mean scrolling away right right um yeah so rather than spending our monday nights with the bachelor we spent the last few weeks spending our thursday nights uh with women of the movement and that creative team an incredible cast that have taken on, um, I guess, the, the incredible, f- I, I, I don't even know if I, I should say incredible feat, but it, it definitely is a feat. Mm-hmm. It definitely is incredible, the amount mm-hmm. of work that they they put in because they did um, mm-hmm. this story. They filmed this story during the pandemic. It's just mm-hmm. already a story that means so much within various black communities and within American mm-hmm. history and so to see the amount of love and care that they put into that show meant that when we came back, we wanted to take the time if we were going to stick around ABC in any capacity. We wanted to uh, focus on Emmett and his incredible mother, Mamie, 
and focus on them first for for a couple episodes so right yeah yeah so that's that's what we're gonna do and we we um like we said when we in our last episode when we talked about where y'all going um this season with the black chilouettes with Vic and Mai is going to be a lot of different things and while we are starting out with this incredibly important story um with something that is very like as Mai said has really impacted both of our lives um and is a very heavy subject to talk about which we will get into that um but that doesn't mean that every single episode will be like this um that doesn't mean that every single episode will be extremely hard to talk about there will be a lot of different episodes styles of episodes there will be guests there will be laughs there will be joy there will just be existing as um the people that we are but also we want to be able to center those stories that are extremely important um when it comes to either what's happening in the media today or honestly whatever we feel like is important to talk about because this is our podcast and you're listening to it because you like us i think um <laughs> so we just wanted to put that out there as well because yeah we're excited to talk about this even though it is uh hard to talk about because it's because you know, we know it's it so, doesn't matter yeah. how many times you how many times you hear the story or how many times you watch it or how much you've learned about it or how much you haven't learned about it it's never easy to talk about yeah. um this child who lost his life so um unjustly and so unfairly and We'll get more into that. But yeah, that's uh, where we are with this season. So just wanted to let y'all know once again, where are we going? Yeah, we're going rogue. We're doing what we want. And I think that is hopefully as exciting for you guys as it is for uh, Victoria and I. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's going to be a, a lot to, to look forward to this season. And we wanted to start here. Um, and make space for a story that we're not even sure all of our listeners are completely aware of. Um, mm-hmm. and, and if you are, and a story that you, we, and if you're not, right. that's, you know, today is an opportunity for you to learn and right. catch up. <laughs> and while today's an opportunity to learn, as always, we are not experts mm-hmm. by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, so there has been research that has been done and there has been brains that have been racked for information that we have just retained over the years um but also we are not experts so please um obviously we hope that we're providing accurate information i mean we believe that we are um but always know that there's room for us to to continue our learning journey and there's um we're always open to anyone popping into our dms and like wanting to engage more in this conversation Mm -hmm. um or like apply any constructive criticisms or whatever absolutely granted make sure you come from a place of love (laughs) um but yeah we do welcome that as well and just wanted to say we are not experts i am no historian no definitely not a historian um while i am someone who loves doing her research (laughs) victoria Mm -hmm. will tell you herself um Mm -hmm. yeah we we don't have degrees in history specifically Um, but we did take time this week to sit down and make sure we were getting resources um, that I I myself have personally vetted um, gotten like verified by things such as the Emmett Till Legacy Foundation the Mamie Till Mobley Foundation um, and more sources that we'll make sure we include in the link uh, the link in bio notes what was I about to say (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, in the notes 
down below. Correct. Um, that way, if you guys are interested um, in looking yourselves, you can get access to the books um, that I got information from, as well as the websites, uh, and you can get engaged, involved, and learn the story and um, become more familiar if you aren't already. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Whew. So, I guess before we get into it, like, obviously now, you know, we are talking about uh, Women of the Movement, which is the story of um, Emmett Till and um, centers Mamie, his mother, Mamie Till Mobley. And as we get into this, just did want to say that this... I don't even want to say can be triggering because I think that it is triggering regardless of who you are. Um, so just wanted to say that we are going to be talking about lynchings. We will be talking about murder. We'll be talking about kidnappings. We will be talking about um, the ways that the justice system and the government has failed black bodies, um, black children. So take a deep breath. Obviously, if this is not something that you have the capacity for at this moment, um, feel free to turn this off and come back to it when you're ready. Um, but also, we do think that is it is important to listen to. And the show, if you have not had a chance to watch it, is important to view. Um, and did you want to add anything? Yeah, something that I'll offer for our um, non-black listeners, um, particularly mm -hmm. our listeners that take up space in white bodies, is if you find yourself uncomfortable, challenged, um, or in finding any dis-ease um, mm -hmm. as we have this conversation and tell this story, I challenge you to lean into that discomfort um, and take time with this story and, and give this story the space uh, that it deserves, of course, honor your own capacities, um, but mm -hmm. challenge yourself if you can um, and be mm -hmm. be here with us and offer yourself grace in the process if you haven't um, heard this story before, but don't don't give yourself away a way out. Um, Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And to to our listeners of color and to our black listeners specifically. Um, take breaks if you need. Um, mm hmm. But yeah, we love you. We see you. And we're just trying to give a little space to a story that we're not, you know, completely sure that all of our listeners are already familiar with. And we want to center Emmett and Mamie in the best way uh, we know how right now. And right now that's giving them space on, on this platform as we get ready for Black History Month to um, kick off, even though Black History Bump is all year as far as I'm concerned. Exactly. Exactly. All righty. Uh, okay, so I guess um, we wanted to start off. Let me stop covering my mouth like I'm not talking on a podcast. <laughs> um, we, I guess my when was the first time that you heard the story of Emmett Till or um, when did, were you first introduced to him? What was that like for you? Yeah, um... I was actually very young. I know that I was elementary school age. I want to mm -hmm. say as as young as a kidner kinder kidner girl. Mm -hmm. Jesus, exactly a kindergartner. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's we say this a lot, 
But y'all know that we be busy. We stay busy. We be tired. So <laughs> please forgive us for any words that become jumbled. Yeah. They're not going to be edited out because this We're is raw. This beings. is real. This it's is raw. who we are. Yeah. Um, It's late. We're recording this on a Friday night. We don't have lives. And it's we have, been a week. It's It's been quite a week. It's been quite a week. Um, So yeah, all that to say, please give us, give grace. us some grace on this episode because <laughs> we are... <laughs> struggling but we're going to get through it struggling and as you and you know as you guys know victoria and i are both in the middle of huge moves as we discussed on Mm -hmm. last week's episode um my lease is up this weekend and i am i kid you not doing this entire thing on my own and i say that Mm -hmm. with so much love and savvy if you listen Mm -hmm. in you know you know i ain't talking about you i love you to death boo um, but I'm, I'm tired. I'm, I'm really, really mm-hmm. tired. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, I was in kindergarten at, at the mm-hmm. latest, I want to say my parents, mm-hmm. uh, found the means to, I think, educate me a lot, like a lot about black history more than I ever realized at such mm-hmm. a young age. And I also think even though that the school system in Virginia, um, particularly in the 757 was not fantastic, especially mm-hmm. when it came to, to centering um, the wholeness of American history. Because what, what do you really mm-hmm. expect in Virginia, especially, mm-hmm. you know, right around the corner mm-hmm. from Jamestown? Um, sure. But I had a lot of black women identifying teachers. And so Black History Month won't nothing to play with. Asian American, um, Asian, excuse mm-hmm. me, Asian Pacific Islanders Heritage Month, Hispanic Heritage Month. I mean, my teachers won't play in when it came to mm-hmm. that because they, I think they knew, not I think they knew, they knew that the curriculums that were set in place below the Confederate uh, Mason-Dixon line sure. uh, mm-hmm. wasn't all that. So yeah, uh, my parents sat me down and told me about Emmett Till when I was a little one because we, we were learning about it um, in school. And we used to get these lists of black history figures that we could cover on pr- projects and Emmett mm-hmm. was on on that list when I was super mm-hmm. duper young. Um, mm-hmm. And because we, you know, you and I are actually a little older than having computers in our homes. So uh, that was still a really new thing. Like the internet was kind mm-hmm. of early days um, mm-hmm. for me. So it wasn't like, oh, go home and research on the computer and Google who this is. It was like, no, mm-hmm. go to the encyclopedia <laughs> or mm-hmm. encyclopedia. What's, mm-hmm. what's the book you have in your house that has, like, different historical facts in it? It's an encyclopedia, right? Yeah, it's an encyclopedia. So I think my parents had a black history style encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my mom and dad, like, I, I used to go to the library all the time, and um, they helped me pull out books and stuff so that I could learn learn more about it. Um, mm-hmm. when I was in elementary school because they had to, you know, mm-hmm. you, have, you have to teach your black kids about mm-hmm. what happens to black kids and what happened to black kids right. historically because um, mm-hmm. my, my parents weren't born too long after um, Emmett passed and mm-hmm. my mother grew up not far from Cook County, so mm-hmm. yeah, what about you? Um, yeah, I had to think about the computer thing. I was like, wait, when did computer... I, I had a flashback to, like, my dad working on a computer when I was very young when we lived... Oh, but weren't the y'all... The first time we lived in Chicago. Weren't y'all rich, though? No, I mean... No? no. I mean, my dad... 
my dad work i mean worked his way up for sure but i think like when they when they first got married um and we were out in the suburbs of chicago i was like we did have i do remember us having a computer and i do remember like typing my little school papers on it but i don't but i just don't think that the internet was like as thing like, I th- yeah, I think I don't really think that, like, research was really being done on the internet. I think I still remember, like, doing all my research in books, and but I could, like, have papers. Microsoft Word or something to, like, type mm. my papers, but I couldn't, like, research things. Gotcha. I had to think about that. Um, but, huh, yeah, so I, I honestly don't really remember the first time I learned about Emmett Till, mm. which I think is sad and frustrating because I think that it is something that when you learn about it, it should really affect you and you should probably remember that, especially as a black child. Um, But I don't remember learning about it. I do. I obviously remember learning about Martin Luther King, learning about Rosa Parks, but I think that when it came to like the trauma that was experienced um, at the beginnings of the civil rights movement and things like that. I don't really think that that was ever communicated to me. Um, yeah, which is which is very sad. I did not have a lot of black teachers whatsoever. I always was, which I did grow up in, like my first nine years of life were in the suburbs of Chicago. And I mean, I currently live here now. I moved back when I was in high school. But, um, but yeah, my first... Nine years of life were in Chicago. Both my parents are from the south side of Chicago. Um, so, yeah, it is interesting that I don't really remember the first time that I learned about Emmett Till. I, I think that once I got older and in high school and things, it was just like, okay, yes, I know who this person is now. But I don't think that it really sunk in for me until, like, later in life, like, probably around, like, high school time that I was really taken aback by what had happened Mm. um to him in which i think that also i think yeah i think that just growing up surrounded by a lot of white people Mm. i couldn't really like as a child i couldn't really identify with the trauma because i was just so young and not comprehending and understanding the life that i was living because i had just been so assimilated assimilated to white culture wow um, so it wasn't until later in life when I was able to comprehend things a little bit better that everything started. I was able to process everything that actually took place in a place that I called home and in the country that I have lived in my whole life. Um, like, you know, 30 years before, 30, 40 years before I was born. Yeah. That's, um, mm-hmm. It's interesting because I think like you you make such a potent point where it's like there are certain environments where like that information might not necessarily be, you know, shared so immediately. Um, Mm -hmm. And the idea of like that not necessarily being like this, you know, this is the very first thing I remember or like this is going to be taught in school at this exact time was particularly when you were in predominantly white uh, areas, which is why Mm -hmm. I, you know, I do think women of the movement is so um, important. Impertinent. What? Jesus. Important. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> um, for Important. for this time period, like for where we are mm-hmm. right now, especially Absolutely. as the ways in which people teach history, American history, and the wholeness of mm-hmm. American history. Um, there's 
these mm-hmm. constant opportunities to reframe it. You know, you have the People's History of the United States by Howard Zinn. You've got the A Black Woman's History of the United States by, um, I'm forgetting the uh, name of the two authors of that book right now, but it's it's incredible. Or uh, mm-hmm. the 1619 Project by... Mm-hmm. Nicole Hannah Jones, which is now a book, and they have a full, you know, a children's book version of it. There are mm-hmm. certain areas that do exist in the world where there may, you know, are likely kids of color and and especially black kids, where it's mm-hmm. not considered a important or pertinent part of history to share. Um, exactly. And that's in 2021. Uh, so I I really think that's you know interesting. You bring that up because as you said that I was like wow you know I even remember like the first time I saw the photos of Emmett's body that had been mm-hmm. published in in the, the Jet magazine um, mm-hmm. and I remember that was like a conversation my parents sat down and had with me because you know I just I had questions because we were learning mm-hmm. about him in school and not everyone had that opportunity yeah, and my parents definitely did a good job. Like we had our of like, course. you know, little flashcards yeah. and things like that with all of our Black History Month, Black History, historical Black figures. There we go. Um, That's what we were looking for. Right, this like whole I said, time. we're struggling. <laughs> we are struggling. <laughs> um, so we had those, but but yeah, like thinking about, and it's 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 a conversation that has been happening that continues to happen when people talk about black history they talk about martin luther king jr and they talk about rosa parks and maybe malcolm x but if they talk about him they talk about how he was bad you know like that's like that's essentially what the school systems are teaching about black history and that's what people i will say that's what i've i'm gonna make a generalization here so don't come for me but that's what i think most majority white people understand as black history sure those like three people well, it's like the consideration then... of the civil rights movement a lot of people mm-hmm. may not know that the murder of Emmett Till was one of the inciting sparks of a lot uh, a lot of the incidents that kind of not even kicked mm-hmm. not even kicked off right because the civil rights movement had been happening for a long time right uh, correct mm-hmm. but to to mobilize so many folks like Emmett Till's murder is noted as one of the reasons Rosa Parks did not get up out that seat. And Rosa Parks Mm -hmm. wasn't even the first person to do that. Right. Right. Just weeks earlier, 15 year old Claudette Cloven had done the same thing. Mm -hmm. But because she was, you know, a poor, dark skinned, young Mm -hmm. black girl, they didn't think she was the right face of the movement. So they, they went with Rosa. Um, mm-hmm. and like, you know, we don't always have access to the context of, of these stories, not because right. like our, our parents don't want to give that, that, that information to us. Um, and not because, you know, the teachers who do have access to that information don't want to, don't want to give it to us. There are systems mm-hmm. in place that don't necessarily make it so that it's the for, um, the forefront of your mind and, and sharing that information right. with um, with your kids and it's truly written out of curriculums on purpose as we can mm-hmm. see with right. the very strange arguments happening over the Critical idea of theory. CRT being taught in schools mm-hmm. uh, for fear of making white children feel bad about being white because yes that's of course what CRT is yep mm-hmm. yeah there you go uh, or the notion mm-hmm. that the 1619 pro- uh, project is uh, centered around trying to undo all of 
all of American history because America really started in 1776. I'm like, actually, mm, if you grew mm-hmm. up in Virginia, you do definitely talk about the 1600s because Jamestown, baby. Like, hello? Right, right. Um, but trying to reframe history so that it looks or it is whitewashed or diluted in a certain way, um, you know, uh, for some folks, it, it means we, we lose access to, to these moments where we reconcile mm-hmm. with what has happened um, to these historical black figures that did mm-hmm. not seek out being a historical black figure. Correct. Um, yeah. Ooh. So um, I guess we can start by talking. I think of something that's really important about, I, I guess, going off of saying that when talking mm-hmm. about historical figures in any context, we get so c- caught up in the martyrdom martyrdom of people mm-hmm. that we forget that they are people first, mm-hmm. right? People talk about Emmett Till um, often as if he's like this this prominent um, figure that transformed um, history with his death, and it's like, mm-hmm. but he was a child, mm-hmm. he was a boy, he was a human being. Um, mm-hmm. And so I thought it would be really cool if we started off by just kind of talking about who Emmett Till was based on like the research from his family, his cousins who are still living and have been pursuing justice for them since that faithful day, fateful day where, you know, their, their cousin in front of them got, you know, kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So Emmett Till was born in Chicago on Friday, July 25th, 1941 at Cook County Mm -hmm. Hospital to Lewis and Mamie Till, who lived in Argo, Illinois, which was a small town outside of Chicago. And he was an only child. And he Mm -hmm. grew up in a very thriving middle-class black neighborhood on the south side of Chicago, um, which at that time in the, you know, 1940s and 50s, it was mm-hmm. like a haven for black owned businesses. Oh, absolutely. You know, he was able to mm-hmm. go outside and play and he had neighborhood mm-hmm. friends and, you know, mm-hmm. he was able to hang out and there were beauty salons and insurance companies, pharmacies, all this kind of stuff. And, and even, um, you know, local nightclubs uh, where mm-hmm. people like Duke Ellington and Sarah Vaughn spent, you know, their time performing. Mm hmm. And Emmett was uh, kind of, you know, one of the babies in a pretty large family. Mm-hmm. And his nickname was uh, either Bo or Bobo. Like, they mm-hmm. they, they kind of oscillated between calling him the two, which I think is <laughs> such a mm-hmm. cute nickname. Because, really like, where does it come from? Mm-hmm. Like, but why? Yeah, where does it come from? I think, yeah, I think... <laughs> It's it's kind of like when you have that one cousin cousin his name is Pookie you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah it's it's very it's I do notice with black families that this has been going on for generations where we just make up names that have nothing to do with the person's actual name yeah like, my little sister's nickname is Lulu her name is hmm. Maya <laughs> right to be fair her middle my, name is Lorraine but it's just like no no I have an uncle Bobby whose real name is wait not me having to think about it Ah! leon his real name is leon (laughs) i also have an uncle butch whose real name is lorenzo Mm. and no idea we be doing that (laughs) i have a i have an uncle whose name is keith two uncles whose name is keith and what's his name keith Mm. no h anywhere keith Mm. um so yeah i 
Bobo, it's very endearing. I know I have cousins who be uh doo doo nu 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 is actually one of my yeah. cousins. Yeah. Or like, like it's my like where cousin, did this come it's from? It's like where does this come from? My my two two of my younger cousins one of his, like, his name is DeAndre. We call him Big mm-hmm. Red, or we call him Red. Mm-hmm. To be fair, there's a reason for that. He has natural, naturally red hair, and he's the only redhead mm-hmm. in the family, so we do mm-hmm. call him that. And then, like, um, Kevin Jr., his nickname for, for ages was Man Man. It's like, mm. what? Why ma- right. Man? And then Man. Man Man. Mm-hmm. Twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um mm-hmm. But I, what I noticed just in this moment right now is being able to relate and like see how these nicknames are actually very common in our family. This is a moment of humanizing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the very person that we're talking about is this moment right. where it's like, yo, we we have Emmett in our families. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Absolutely. There are cousins, there are brothers, there are little sisters whose mm-hmm. nicknames all of a sudden turn into different nicknames as they get older. Right. Um, and they're the person that's like ambitious and really smart and kind of silly mm-hmm. and very cared for and also super confident. And that's kind of how, that's right. how Emmett was described. Absolutely. Incredibly mm-hmm. clever and bright mm-hmm. with, um, sandy brown hair and hazel brown eyes. And I'm, I see pictures of, you know, um, Emmett mm-hmm. from when he was younger and such a beautiful, beautiful young boy. Mm-hmm um absolutely and so yeah he he was known in his family for being a very responsible but also funny (laughs) Mm -hmm. um Mm high-spirited kid and he actually suffered from polio at the age of six um Mm -hmm. and was you know blessed to make a full recovery that left him with um muscle damage and Mm -hmm. a, a slight speech defect where mm-hmm. um, he had a light stutter that he, he mm-hmm. struggled with overcoming throughout his young life. Um, so yeah, as a young child, he spent a lot of time in Chicago and Detroit. Woo, woo. Uh, you know, both very important places to Victoria and I. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and he was getting more adventurous. He was very independent-minded and kind of like, you know... The, highly like highly spirited as you would say mm-hmm. and so as he entered into his teenage years you know puberty and whatnot things started changing for him he was still incredibly responsible but also just wanted to explore and go on adventures um mm-hmm. and have fun and his mom Mamie said that life was all laughter and laughter was life-giving which I think is so beautiful that I must say it mm-hmm. again Life was all laughter, and laughter was life-giving. And he made people laugh. He was known for making folks laugh and kind Mm -hmm. of being centered on joy and um, finding ways to make sure he could give joy to everybody that was around him. Right. Um, Emmett loved amusement parks, which, like, honestly, same. Okay, put me on a... Mm -hmm. I don't know how I'd feel about a roller coaster in the 1950s, but... Sure, right. um, I'm sure I've gotten on a roller coaster that was built in the 50s. You know, the wooden Mm -hmm. roller coasters Mm -hmm. that's like, maybe we should tear this one down. Yeah, Um, absolutely. He really loved the zoo, which also same. Giraffes are like Mm -hmm. my favorite animal. Um, Mm -hmm. He loved fishing with his grandma, Alma. 
and mm-hmm. um, had a love for music and, and dancing and seemed like he was very, um, he just seemed like such an astute young man from the way his family described him, where he was like yeah. self-assured and confident of himself. And I'm just like, dang, what must be nice. Right. Um, and he took a lot of pride in his appearance, which I think was beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he was very meticulous and loved nice clothes. You know, he was, well, once again, only child. So I'm sure Miss yes. Mamie uh, was making sure she he was... was not having her baby out here looking no, <laughs> no, no kind other type. of way. No, right. Exactly. Like, she said, not my child. Dressed to the nines. Look at this nice polo on this nice young mm-hmm. fine man. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and still, he could probably roughhouse and play with the best of them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. Um people sometimes said that him and his mother were so close that it seemed like they were siblings which i oh yeah that's could never yeah. figure out how i felt about that but that's truly information mm-hmm. that i got directly from the emmett till legacy foundation uh-huh um, but i remember when yeah. i was reading that i was like i don't know what that means but maybe it just means they were incredibly close yeah um just like a playful relationship. Probably. Yeah. And it was their relationship. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so he he and his mom were on their own um, after uh, after a while. And so his mom mm-hmm. would sometimes work, you know, more than 12 hour days trying to make sure mm-hmm. that she was, you know, bringing home food to put on the table and stuff. And Emmett right. took on the full share of domestic responsibilities alongside his mom. Uh, where he took care of the house and his like miss mamie said that herself that he took on all the house responsibility that everything Mm -hmm. was on his shoulders and he took it upon um himself and i have a quote here from miss mamie that i'll read where um she said he told me if i could work and make the money he would take care of everything else he cleaned and he cooked quite a bit and he even took over the laundry um, Emmett's favorite meal to cook was pork chops, pork chops, Jesus, mm-hmm. <laughs> pork chops with corn and lots of pepper. And I'm like, okay, but like peppers or like pepper? No, pepper. Oh, like pepper, like black pepper. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, black pepper. Um, they like mentioned that in the show. Oh, you're right. Oh, you're right. They sure did. Yeah. yeah. Holy crap. Okay, good memory. All right. You better work. <laughs> Well, I you know I had to binge watch because I I was I'd be busy. That's fair. So I no, that's it. super to, fair. So it's all get all that information fresh. just like right there at the front of your mind. Yeah, yeah. it's all fresh. Um, and so um, yeah, one of his classmates from Makash Grammar School had recounted that Emmett was like super funny all the time. <laughs> that he had a suitcase of jokes that he liked to tell so that he could make make people laugh, and that he. They, they also say he was a chubby kid. Most of the guys were skinny, but he didn't let that stand mm-hmm. in the way, which I don't like. That's one of those things where it's like, oh, this has very specific historical like context mm-hmm. um, with with this this kind of statement. But he had a lot of friends sure. and um, eventually they moved to Chicago. He would still take the streetcar back to Argo every chance he could get. Um, so he could play baseball with his family and friends and attend church. Um, and one day he either wanted to be a professional baseball player um, or a motorcycle police officer. 
he really okay. enjoyed the the work he saw police doing and, and loved being a uh, peacemaker according to uh, you know according to the research um, mm-hmm. he had this uncanny ability to work things out for people to negotiate he liked to help re- uh, find resolutions to problems um, and they they say he had a really deep sense um, of justice and was always dreaming about his his future so that yeah. was that was Emmett the human the human being <laughs> yeah well thank you for giving us that information absolutely yeah he was he was he seemed like i'm sure the type of boy that would be the homie you know what i mean would be the homie that like your parents were always like oh you're going with emmett okay then yeah i know you'll be Y'all are safe good. you're not gonna be doing anything dumb like i don't have to worry about you because emmett's gonna make sure he's the young man that walks you home and like waits outside just to make sure you get inside okay you mm-hmm. know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah um so yeah as we kind of now get into why like it's it's sad because obviously it's sad but like we shouldn't have to know his name Mm. like he should have just been able to live his life be a boy that existed in the 1950s exactly um but i guess now yeah we will get into why we know his name so um on August 28th, 1955, when Emmett was 14, he was murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, so that summer, he had gone to Mississippi to visit his family, Mose, Moses Wright. I think his nickname was Mose. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, as he was sleeping toward the end of his stay, because I believe he was only supposed to be there for like a week. Yep. And of course, um, of course, Mamie was very hesitant to let him go because she knew like everything wasn't perfect in Chicago, but she knew that they had it a lot easier and better in Chicago than they had it in Mississippi. So she was very hesitant to let him go. Obviously, she let him go because she trusted her family. She trusted her son. She knew that she raised him right. Um, so shortly before he was supposed to come home, um, Okay, I'm I'm skipping ahead. I'm skipping ahead. I'm skipping right to the to the stuff. Okay. Let me let me back up. Let me back up. Let me back up. Okay. Take okay. Your, take your time. So time. Yes. Okay. So when so when Emmett was fourteen, he was hoping to go to Mississippi, like I said, to go stay with his family, have a fun summer trip. Um she Mamie initially wanted to take a trip with Emmett to Detroit, Michigan, um, Omaha, and she wanted Emmett to come with her. Emmett really, really wanted to go to Mississippi. Obviously, he wanted to go with his cousins. He wanted to just have, like, a boy's summer, fishing, um, eating, playing her out, just doing nothing in the sun, which Mose was like, no, if you're coming, you will be working, mm-hmm. but sure. <laughs> um, so he was able to convince his mom to let him travel to Mississippi and um yeah he stayed at the home of Mose Moses and his great aunt Elizabeth right in Mm -hmm. Money Mississippi and 
then on um let's see August 19th 1955 uh his mom Mamie gave him a ring a signet ring um that was engraved with his father's initials um LT so then so she she gave him that ring the next day she drove him to the station and got the tri train ticket and then he boarded that train for Mississippi and that was the last time that she ever saw her son alive um three days after arriving in Mississippi on August 24th Till and uh his cousin Simeon Wright and Wheeler Parker and some of the other teenagers in town headed to Bryant's grocery store and meat market to get some refreshments after a long day working. Um, this grocery store was owned by Roy and Roy, right? Roy. I believe Car so, yeah. Roy Bryant. Roy. Yeah. Roy and Carolyn Bryant, um, who were a young white married couple. And this store primarily existed to serve the, or as a place for the sharecroppers and their kids to get whatever convenience items that they needed. Mm -hmm. So, um, as, as they exited the store, um, after Emmett had purchased some gum, uh, Carolyn Bryant, who was 21 years old at the time, uh, exited the store and, uh, allegedly Emmett whistled at her with a wolf whistle. And, um, this part is it confirmed because we don't necessarily know exactly if, um, if, if this was Emmett who whistled or mm -hmm. if it was someone else, but it was determined by Carolyn that it was Emmett who whistled at her. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, they immediately left because obviously Carolyn was not, uh, pleased with that interaction and Emmett made them promise to his um, Emmett made his cousins promise that they wouldn't tell his great aunt and um, his uncle about what had happened at the general store um, it's also we should also note that the actual events of this interaction are still very unclear mm -hmm. um, but it it's believed Carolyn Bryant later on said that um, Emmett touched her hand, um, grabbed her by the waist and made sexual advances toward her, telling her that he had been with white women, this and that. Um, and that and also and, to, to add to that information, Carolyn Bryant, whose name I think is now um, Carolyn uh, Dunham. Uh, mm hmm would later be um, yeah kind of put on the put on a semblance of a record saying that what this was false. what she said was a lie a blatant lie mm -hmm. absolutely yeah yeah absolutely that she truly just lied on this young boy mm -hmm. um but yeah she told her her husband roy when she returned from the store what happened and um that's kind of where everything starts to take off. And it's at this point, she 
is responsible for Emmett's death. What happens um, to Emmett and his death? Yeah. Um, four days later, after this um, encounter at the um, con- convenience store, uh, at around 2.30 a.m., Roy Bryant, Carolyn's husband, his half-brother, mm-hmm. J.W. Millam, along with other white and black men, kidnapped Till from uh, Mr. Wright's home. After being identified by Carolyn Bryant, they drove away. They then drove to a barn in Drew, Mississippi, where they would, and I, I will say once again, this is a trigger warning for descriptions of um, violence. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you need to take a break, take a breather, take a deep breath, press pause, go get some water, please hydrate yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they lynched and beat Emmett Till brutally. They dragged his body to the bank of the Tallahatchie River. They shot him in the head, tied him with barbed rot wire to a large metal cotton gin fan, and shoved his mutilated body into the water. After Mose Wright contacted the LaFleur uh, County Sheriff about the abduction, both Bryant and Millam were arrested on August 29th and held in jail without bond on kidnapping charges. Only three days after the kidnapping, um, Emmett's corpse, which had badly mm-hmm. decomposed, was pulled from the river. His face was mutilated beyond recognition. Um, you can actually look up photos of his face that were later published by his mother, Mamie mm-hmm. Till, which we will get to mm-hmm. soon in this story, in Jet Magazine, an historic, a historic black um, news publication, or magazine publication, mm-hmm. excuse me. Uh, Mose Wright managed to identify him only by the ring on his finger engraved with his father's initials, L.T., and uh, there's a quote from Simeon Wright, Emmett's cousin. It never occurred to me that Bobo would be killed for whistling at a white woman. It would appear that the state of Mississippi has decided to maintain white supremacy by murdering children would also later be said by Roy, Wilkin, Roy Wilkins, the head of the mm-hmm. NAACP. Um, so Emmett's body after this was shipped mm-hmm. to Chicago where Miss Mamie would def- which was not it was not wanted yeah it was by not I mean well obviously Mamie wanted it yeah but, uh, the Mississippi sheriff the government they the tried to stop uh, officials it. there tried to stop that mm-hmm. they saw what what this boy looked like yeah and said essentially tried to cover it up and um, decided that they would just bury the body no nothing else would be said about it mm-hmm. nothing else would be done about it um and obviously mamie was not having that um at this point she didn't know what what her son she couldn't have imagined what she would see when he arrived there but she knew that she wanted to have her son and that she wanted to bury him but sorry Go no please don't do not apologize thank you um so much for saying that so once his body was shipped to Chicago. Uh, his mother said, bump whatever y'all saying down there in Mississippi. Um, mm-hmm. Because the Mississippi authorities had ordered the box where Emmett's body was being kept remain closed and mm-hmm. locked. Correct. And so she had mm-hmm. it opened so that she could positively identify that it was her own son. 
And Mm -hmm. after that, she decided to have an open casket funeral with Emmett's body on display for five days. Mm -hmm. It would be thousands of people that would come to the Roberts Temple Church of God and Christ to see the evidence of this hate crime, this brutal, Mm -hmm. racist, um, and racially motivated uh, murder. Miss mm-hmm. Mamie said that, you know, d- despite the indescribable and, you know, absolutely enormous amount of pain it caused her to see her body, her son's body like that on display, she mm-hmm. chose the open casket f- funeral in an effort to let the world see what has happened because there is no way I could describe this and I need somebody to help tell me what it mm-hmm. was like. Mm-hmm. With his body water-soaked and defaced, most people would have kept the casket covered. His mother let the body be exposed, starting on September 4th, 1955, and extended to the time of his burial on September 6th in Burr Oak Cemetery in Alsip, Illinois. More than 10,000 people saw his body lying in that casket. That must have been, at the time, the largest single civil rights demonstration in American history. This is from uh, Jesse Jackson. The actions that this grieving mother, Miss Mamie, took set off a course of action that would let the world know what happened to her only son. And she was absolutely intentional um, about making sure she sought out justice and uh, taking the cover covers off of the amount of hate and violence that was kind of being you know, fueled by white supremacy, the, the system of white supremacy that still exists today right we have to think about the fact that we hear this story and kawan charles was murdered just a few years ago and that's still gone unsolved you know i'm thinking Mm -hmm. of the young lady um i believe her name is lauren smith whose body was just uh, found in her apartment after a date with a white man Mm -hmm. in bridgeport Mm -hmm. connecticut um there these are countless Mm -hmm. stories that continue to happen um, mm-hmm. And Mamie Till sought to, you know, pull the sheet off of off of the KKK, if mm-hmm. uh, if I can right. be frank, and let people know, like, this is what what y'all are doing to black children. This is what mm-hmm. not only racist white people are doing uh, to black bodies, but this is what this government is doing and allowing to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, the system of white supremacy as we know it and as we often speak it and is one of the reasons this podcast exists, rules and uh, oppresses, um, rules this country and oppresses so many, mm-hmm. um, but particularly down in, in Mississippi. Photos of Emmett's body in the weeks that passed, um, the burial and the murder and kidnapping trial that would later um, start for Roy Bryant and J.W. Millam. Uh, would um, the photos would be published in two black publication, Jet Magazine and the Chicago Defender. They would publish very graphic photos of Till's corpse. And once again, um, you know, don't look up those photos if, if you don't think you have the capacity to, to look at them. Um, but they are um, photos that Mamie Till had released of her son so that the world could see what they did to her son's body. Mm-hmm. And by the time the trial rolled around for the murder of Emmett, um, done so by, you know, Roy Bryant and J.W. Millam, that is not alleged. It is a fact. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. um, his murder had become quite a source for outrage and indignation throughout the country. Yeah. I just think of um, last, no, it honestly probably wasn't, you know, years. What are years mm. now anymore? True. I don't know. Um, but um, at some point within the past two, three years, uh, I went, I was in DC for the first time because um, I had never been there. And so I went to obviously the Smithsonian Natural Museum of African American History. Mm-hmm. And I was there, I spent three days there um, because I had never been and I am the type of person where I said I'm not a historian earlier, but like when I go to a museum, I'm like trying to read everything. Um, I feel it because like, why am I in the museum if I'm not going to see all of it? Right, exactly. So, and especially if it was the Black History Museum, I was like, I'm, and also I was there for three days because I was there doing a show. So like, Mm. I would have to leave to go do my show so I like just didn't have an, as much time as I wanted sure but they do have obviously a section devoted to Emmy Emmett Till and when I say essentially there's a um like a walkthrough that you can go to and it is uh like it would be as if you were attending the open casket uh funeral service and when I say that like me being there when whatever month I was there like November or something mm. um September I don't even know uh the I mean it wasn't a hundred thousand people but the line for that itself was just so long and waiting in that line me already knowing what I was going to see and it obviously wasn't a body um it was photos but knowing what I was going to see and the feelings that I felt, I was by myself, um, mm. the feelings that I felt waiting in that line, um, you know, 60 plus 70 years later, um, and the pain and anger that I felt, um, I cannot imagine what the, the strength that it took for Mamie to do what she did. I can't imagine seeing being a random person um going to this funeral and seeing that um before my eyes in in real life um so I just think if you haven't seen the photos as my said you know be sure that you are you know in the right place when you decide to see them but also like just take a minute with them yeah. and sit with them Yes, and put yourself in Mamie's position. Put yourself in the position of a, a black person, a black mother who has a child who's just going, who knows that another black boy was killed and sees that in the casket. Um, it is, it's, it's just beyond words. Um, and yeah, I really, so also, if you do get the chance to go to that museum in D.C., I highly recommend you don't have to spend three days there like I did. But if you do, great. Spend four, spend five. Um, keep paying your money. Um, but, yeah, that was extremely powerful, um, being able to do that walkthrough. 
and I appre- I was thankful that there was the line there because you yeah. really have to sit and wait and process, um, you know what what, what you're about, about to see, see and, what, and what that and what that means for you and how you can, you know, move forward with that and try to, you know, make the world a little bit less hateful. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Um, as we get back into this trial, um, on September 7th, a grand jury indicts Bryant and Millam on kidnapping and murder charges. The trial against Emmett Till's killers began on September 19th, and because blacks and women were barred from serving on jury duty, Bryant and Millam were tried before an all-white all male jury in an act of extraordinary bravery Mose Wright took the stand and identified Bryant and Millam as Till's kidnappers and killers uh, which was like and like we said an extreme act of bravery um, because during this time it was almost unheard of um, for any black person to openly accuse a white person in court because by doing that you would then be putting your yourself and your family and essentially anyone that you knew in danger mm-hmm. um so despite the overwhelming evidence of the defendant's guilt and widespread pleas for justice from outside of mississippi on September 23rd, the panel of all white male jurors acquitted Roy Bryant and J.W. Millam of all charges. Their deliberations lasted 67 minutes. Mm. Um, mm, mm, mm. They, it's also said that one of the jurors said that if it would have been shorter had they not stopped to drink pop. Um, so... Uh, in January 1956, Roy Bryant, the husband of Till's accuser, Carolyn, and his half-brother, J.W. Millam, admitted to committing the murder of Emmett Till. Protected by double jeopardy laws, they told the whole story to William Bradford Huey. They confessed how they kidnapped and killed Till to Look Magazine for $4,000. J.W. Millam and Roy Bryant died with Emmett Till's blood on their hands. These men got away with murder, with murdering a black child in cold blood in the middle of the night, stealing him from from his family, taking him from his mother. Uh, Simeon Wright, Till's cousin and an eyewitness to his kidnapping, later stated, it looks like everyone else who was involved is going to do the same. They had a chance to come clean. They will die with Emmett Till's blood on their hands. Um, did you want to add anything? Or? Sorry, just having a hard time over here. You know, you hear this, it is. this story mm-hmm. so often, right? And it's mm-hmm. like, it's a part of our history, right? Mm-hmm. Um, And somehow every single time I hear this story, I'm confronted with the fact that like 
the justice yeah, I didn't even feel right saying it but mm-hmm. the the criminal legal system is built this way and still operates this way um mm-hmm. where like stories like this come into their doors and exit out the same way absolutely um and there's no what way was... to reconcile with that mm-hmm. you can't reconcile with you can't reconcile with something that's never been reconciled in the first place like it's never mm-hmm. existed a medium or a platform where we could enter mm-hmm. into a space calling for justice for a violation of our humanity um mm-hmm. And any sort of righteous, in, you know, indignation. Um, because that system just doesn't exist. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I, yeah. I hear this story and it kind of, if it kind of freezes your heart, stops your heart a little bit every single time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is, it is a, th- a thing of terror mm. when, when someone... Um, feel so entitled to um, just upholding whatever I don't even want to say moralities they have whatever it, it, what what really sh- struck me and what I was really reminded of in watching this series was the way that white folks back then um, and I can even say today um, really really felt that we were not human really really felt that if we had touched them that they were diseased really really Mm. felt that it that that it was disgusting to be looked at by a black person that it was and that if we did anything wrong that our lives they like dangled in their hands essentially yeah um and it it is yeah it's it's an act of terror because no one should have had to ever live like that and so i i know obviously my grandparents um experienced that and um it it is it like you said it is still hard to reckon with and i still think that even in some in instances today obviously that happens you know we have Ahmaud Arbery and uh um botham botham gene yeah um botham botham um and you know it it emmett was 14 um this was 1955 it's 2022 Mm. some things have changed sure but a lot hasn't you know yeah um and I, th- I think that's what makes it so extremely that's i think that that's aside from how horrific what happened to him was i think that that's what makes it even more hard to like heart-wrenching yeah. and that it stops your heart because it is still happening today absolutely and i think that's why and people are still getting away with it yeah mm-hmm. and I, I think that's you know why like at the top of this episode we were like <laughs> Or even when we were coming back, it's like, oh, it wasn't that we were like immediately like, okay, Black Chilorette's gone rogue. Like, this is what we're going to talk about. It just, it made mm-hmm. so much sense. Mm-hmm. 
to to have this conversation because like we're watching it and we're living it actively and then seeing this story try to find the means to like expand the awareness of the fact that Mm -hmm. this happened then and is happening now that sure progress has been made but why do we have so much further to go Mm -hmm. um because nothing is shifted to protect bodies that look like this right bodies Mm -hmm. that are human beings that are bright and and silly and you know buoyant and exuberant Mm -hmm. um you know, we still, we get set down when we're young children and, you know, some parents are telling their, their young kids about Emmett Till to explain why they have to come in before dark, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, or why you have to behave when a, a person in a white body of some semblance of author- authority is talking to you. Correct. Yeah. And what could happen if you don't behave, air quotes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, more than six decades later, in January 2017, uh, there is an author, uh, Timothy Tyson, uh, from the book The Blood of Emmett Till, he, a senior researcher, scholar at Duke University, would reveal that in the 2007 interview, Carolyn Bryant uh, Donham admitted to him that she lied about Till making advances toward her. Now, it is well-known information that Carolyn Bryant... Donham did admit that she lied. Mm-hmm. Um, however, there are specific quotes that Timothy Tyson ascribed to um, Bryant in a 2017 Vanity Fair article about her saying, you know, that part's not true. Nothing that boy did could ever uh, justify what happened to him and that she admitted she felt tender sorrow for Mamie Till. Um, and after this article came out in the summer of 2018, the Justice Department uh, report, reportedly reopened the investigation uh, into Emmett's death with the discovery of new information. Um, and then according to this source, the, the Clarion Ledger, Ledger, although Timothy Tyson's book on Emmett Till would become, you know, um, a bestseller, large in part mm-hmm. due to the information provided by Carolyn Bryant Dunham uh, that she lied when she testified about Till accosting him. The um, two tape-recorded interviews that uh, Tyson did with Dunham um, didn't include a recanting of her statements, which mm-hmm. also kind of added to... Um, I guess the, the, the question surrounding the fact that these quotes weren't included in um, the, the, court, the recordings of the, the interview. Mm-hmm. But um, after fighting for justice for nearly 50 years, Mamie Till Mobley um, passed on January 6, 2003 at age 81. And in 2004, the Department of Justice announced the reopening of this case. With new evidence and the identification of others that may have been involved, Emmett's case was reopened in 2004, thanks to Emmett's cousin, Simeon Wright, uh, who was there that night and, and saw him get kidnapped. And the hard work of a justice advocate named Alvin Sykes and the filmmaker, Keith Beauchamp. Um, Beauchamp? I can never remember how to pronounce it. 
Yeah, I can never remember. I think how it's Bo. Bo, Bo, right? Beauchamp? Yeah. Because every time I. Beauchamp. Yeah, Beauchamp. It might something be Beauchamp. like that. It's, I think. Mr. Keith, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so in 2005, Emmett's body was exhumed for autopsy and, and positively identified. And since his body was reburied in a new casket, the Till family donated the original casket to the Smithsonian Institution of the National Museum of African American History and Culture in Washington, D.C., which Victoria would mm-hmm. later walk through um, mm-hmm. the exhibit to see. In 2007, a majority black grand ju- jury in Greenwood, Mississippi, declined to indict Carolyn Bryant Donham, considering charges ranging from manslaughter to accessory after the fact. They found no credible evidence to support the claim that Carolyn and uh, the others that were involved in the kidnapping and murder of Emmett uh, Till. Yet, today, his case... um, Actually, uh, as of today, his case is no longer um, open, uh, but it, until December 2021, appeared on the Department of Justice Unsolved Civil Rights Crimes Cold Case List. Um... There were recent federal efforts, like in 2016, Emmett Till Unsolved Civil Rights um, Crimes Reauthorization Act was Mm -hmm. um, proffered to reexamine racially motivated crimes from the past, now through 1979, and had occasionally produced results, including the 2010 conviction of the former Alabama state trooper charged with killing the activist Jimmy Lee Jackson in 1965. No matter the outcome, however, of the newest 2018 investigation, Emmett will always be remembered, and his death will not be in vain. You know, we will continue to seek justice for Emmett um, and trying to continue to, like, make aware of, like, this racially motivated violence and murder that existed then and continues to exist now. Mm-hmm. As we look to today actually um as of december 2021 emmett's murder case was closed sadly in a letter to emmett's family the justice department called his murder one of the most horrific examples of violence routinely inflicted upon black residents it also said that the fbi identified significant obstacles to proving that bryant's testimony was false including that Bryant's recantation mentioned in the book was not in the recordings or transcripts provided to the FBI. Officials of the Department of Justice and the FBI, including the Assistant Attorney General for Civil Rights, Kristen Clark, Clark excuse me, met uh, specifically in person privately with uh, Emmett's family to share their discovery. Thelma Wright Ed- Edwards, one of Emmett's cousins, said that she was not surprised, but her heart was absolutely broken i pinned diapers on emmett i lived with him he was like a brother to me i have no hate in my heart but i had hoped we would get an apology but that didn't happen nothing was settled the case is closed and we have to go on from here the united states senate would weeks later award emmett and mamie till mobley the Congressional Gold Medal, the U.S. Congress's highest civilian honor. The honor comes nearly two years after Senator Cory Brook- Booker from 
New Jersey and Richard Burr from North Carolina introduced legislation in September of 2020. This quote from uh, Senator Cory Booker says, this gruesome murder still serves as a solemn reminder of the terror and violence experienced by black Americans throughout our nation's history. More than six decades after his murder, I am proud to see the Senate pass long overdue legislation that would award the Congressional Gold Medal to both Emmett and Mamie Till Mobley in recognition of their profound contributions to our nation. I, my Caleb Bartholomew, absolutely despise this quote. Mm-hmm. I remember when I... Give, oh, go ahead, please. No, go ahead. I go just... Ahead. I remember seeing it. Because uh, obviously this this just happened a couple weeks ago, y'all. Um, mm. And it was right... You know, it was not longer, like I said, mere weeks after they closed the case. So this is while the gosh darn show, I, I believe, was airing actively um, or right before it aired. And it was just so disconcerting to see them give a gold medal and say, thank you for your contributions to our nation. That is a 14-year-old boy whose life mm -hmm. was taken from him mm -hmm. based on the lie of a racist white woman. Mm -hmm. And you are thanking him for his contributions to our nation like he signed up to be in the military or something. Yeah. Like he served his country. His mother mm -hmm. served justice because she did not get any, because her son right. did not get any. She wasn't con contributing. I mean, she absolutely contributed to our nation mm -hmm. and our country, mm -hmm. but not because like this wasn't in, like from a space right. of I am so passionate about justice. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. One of the most horrific things that have ever happened in the that could ever happen in the world happened to this woman. Mm -hmm. And she had the courage and the will to take on the world and let them come into her story of grief and her experience and a gold medal. You're giving them a gold medal, not justice. Right. It's, it's giving very much, um, you know, making Juneteenth a national holiday mm. when all we want is, you know, equality in this country um yeah it's you know it's give it's it's very much the opposite of what is asked and what's being asked is simple um what's being asked is just to do the right thing what's being asked is just to you know just to provide justice for this mother who lost her son absolutely um and what was given like you said was as if was as if Mamie and Emmett set out with this plan to to change fight the world for to their fight. fight for a country that did not care for them to fight um, for you know an opportunity to make these racist white people famous mm -hmm. like that wasn't what they set out for and they weren't after a gold they definitely weren't after a gold medal mm -hmm. um, and don't get me wrong they deserve the highest praise, the highest Absolutely. honor. They deserve to be centered. But this seemed like such an insult mm -hmm. to the truth of their experience. Mm -hmm. It seemed to trivialize what actually happened. Mm -hmm. 
it was like a glorified hot you know how you get the the presidential award letter from the president when you Mm -hmm. excuse me when you complete your like physical fitness tests in school and stuff Mm -hmm. that's what Mm -hmm. it reminded me of i was like are you are you kidding me this like Mm -hmm. right after the fbi closes this case that's not Mm -hmm. what the family needs that's not what the family deserves right uh, um, yeah, so, mm. okay, sorry, just taking a moment. Of course. Um, so after, like, as we said, after being acquitted of, acquitted of Till's murder, Millam and Bryant confessed to a killing in a paid interview mm-hmm. for Look Magazine. And decades later, as Mai said, the FBI opened an es- investigation that has now been closed. Um, Smith and his sister, uh, Smith as in the cousin. Yeah. Um, and his sister listened to the adults in their family talking about what happened from the top of the stairs. Um one of the things that he said was we crept back into the bedroom and we didn't go to sleep but we did go back to bed and we kind of talked to say Bobo's not coming back Bobo's dead Uh, when George Floyd's daughter said my daddy changed the world it all came back it was about the same feeling I had that night I listened at the top of the stairs and I had to leave the room and that's what I think of, you know, Mamie was fighting this fight that she shouldn't have had to fight, um, but she was fighting this fight so that there wouldn't be any George Floyds. Yeah. You know, and he, here we are with the, the A world. countless knowing, list. Knowing yeah, George, George knowing name. another black man's name, whose name we should not need to know. Yeah. We should have just been able to live a normal whose name existence. and body was put on display and mm-hmm. made a martyr martyr of like you know when when that wasn't what they were looking for and and in hearing this right you know thinking of um george floyd's daughter when she does says my daddy changed the world you know mm-hmm. it's these contributions that these black people are forced into mm-hmm. making within a world that does not respect or offer them any chance or hope for their own humanity. Like mm-hmm. that though, that's why Mamie had to make contributions to the country. And I wish we could just be specific enough to name it as such, you know, the mm-hmm. contribution to our nation exists because this exists. And it's, and it's, uh, I think this show is important. Um, and I think that what we are seeing from this story and from Mamie's story is that, you know, black women are often the ones who end up carrying the heaviest burdens mm-hmm. and having to pull the most weight when they are the least appreciate, appreciated, when they are the least seen, when they are the least educated because they weren't allowed to be, um, you know, not saying that Mamie wasn't educated. I actually don't know her education. Um, <laughs> but sure. I'm just saying that, you know, um, there was 
there was a lot so much against them and the fact that this woman this mother you know took up this burden of being a catalyst having to be a catalyst in the civil rights movement um with no one you know guiding her yeah um she had to do it obviously she had um people who came alongside of her yeah but um no one was going to fight for her son if she hadn't if she had done it and she had to lead by her own intuition you know she had to mm-hmm. allow her her gut and her spirit and her soul to to guide her on that path because it was you know a, a road that no one would ever imagine having to take and nothing we had ever exactly. seen before um and it makes me think of not only Emmett's but also Mamie's impact on civil rights uh, mm-hmm. especially as we you know we consider the impact on civil rights that the murders of Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Aubrey and George Floyd have had just in the last two years and Mike Brown and Trayvon Martin before that and Sandra Bland etc like you know the list tragically goes on and on mm-hmm. but um, yeah so there, there are a couple quotes here and just some information to kind of discuss the impact on the civil rights movement which doesn't have an exact start or end point right like mm-hmm. it has definitely come resurged in in, in waves <laughs> um mm-hmm. but it's never stopped it's never right it's never ended it's always in process and it's always evolving mm-hmm. from rosa parks i thought about emmett till and i couldn't go to the back of the the bus Coming only one year after the Supreme Court's landmark decision in Brown versus Board of Education mandated the end of racial segregation in public schools, Till's death would later provide a very important catalyst for the civil rights movement. Simply a hundred days after Till's murder is when Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat on this bus. Um, and when she would later you know, offer that quote, this would help to spark Right. Because once again, mm-hmm. Rosa Parks was not the first to do this. This is ha- that had happened already a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, but this would help to spark the year long Montgomery bus boycott. Nine years later, Congress passed the Civil Rights Act of 1964, outlawing many forms of racial discrimination and segregation. In 1965, the Voting Rights Act, which outlawed discriminatory voting practices, which was passed, we're in the middle of trying to get another Voting Mm -hmm. Rights Act that keeps getting gutted and Mm -hmm. torn down and disrespected on the on the Congress floor right now. Mm -hmm. That was, you Mm -hmm. know, helmed and, and, and headed by a man who lived through this. Right. The late and great John Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, Emmett Till's murder was one of the most brutal, brutal and inhumane uh, crimes of the 20th century. That's from Martin Luther King Jr. Now, though she absolutely never stopped feeling the pain of her son's death, Mamie recognized that what had happened to her son helped to open Americans' eyes to the racial hatred plaguing this country. And in doing so, it would help to spark massive protest motion for racial equity, equality, and justice. People really didn't know that things this horrible could take place, Mamie said in an interview with Devery S. Anderson, the author of Emmett Till, the murder that shocked the world and propelled the civil rights movement in December 1996. 
And the fact that it happened to a child, well, that makes all the difference in the world. The tragic death of Emmett Till and the strength and resolve of his mama, Mamie Till Mobley, catalyzed the modern civil rights movement. Now, there's an opportunity for a national park site that could help ensure that their story is never forgotten. So, this park um, <coughs> is an opportunity uh, provided by the National Parks Conservation Association. Uh, that would mm-hmm. essentially um, include the Tallahatchie, uh, Tallahatchie County Courthouse where Emmett Till's murder trial took place. The Emmett mm-hmm. Till Interpretive Center is headquartered near the courthouse and operates a museum centered on telling Emmett's story. And the Park Service could determine that other landmarks are also appropriate for inclusion in the National Park site. When you go down to the area where um, Emmett's life tragically would end that summer you see a lot of markers but not all of them are protected by uh as national landmarks so if you go to the national um parks conservation association you do have an opportunity to um, sign on to the petition to make sure that happens Mm -hmm. and um, women of the movement was released in january early january of 2022 alongside um, a documentary series which features, um, you know, person-to-person interviews um, with Emmett's family still living today called Let the World See. Both of them are on ABC and Hulu. Um, and the idea of Women of the Movement is a series that is starting off by honoring Mamie Till Mobley and other female leaders mm-hmm. in the civil rights movement. So mm-hmm. um, hopefully... You guys will tune in um, and catch up. There are six episodes of Women of the Movement that you can watch. And yes, it's it's absolutely hard and difficult, but it's mm-hmm. necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, give it the space that it deserves um, and experience it for yourself. Some of the sources we used this week. Oh, and then also please definitely watch Let the World See so that you could hear from Emmett's mm-hmm. family and, you know, other organizers and civil rights leaders um, and people who have been impacted by uh, the legacy of Emmett Till and Mamie Till Mobley. But mm-hmm. um, some of the sources that we explored in building this research was the Emmett Till Legacy Foundation, the Mamie Till Mobley Foundation, the National Parks Conservation Association, the Emmett Till Interpretive Center, which believes that racial reconciliation begins by telling the truth, Women of the mm-hmm. Movement on ABC, the Let the World See documentary series on ABC and Hulu, the Clarion Ledger, the NAACP, excerpts from The Death of Innocence, the story of the hate crime that changed America, Simeon's story, an eyewitness account of the kidnapping of Emmett Till, um, and uh, Devery S. Anderson's Emmett Till, the murder that shocked the world and propelled the civil rights movement. Um, I don't want to add too much to the end of this just because I just think that it's important for everyone to take the time to sit with this, Mm. um, for us to take the time to sit with it, um, for the listeners too, as well. And, um, yeah, next week there will be 
more to explore mm. um, about this, right? I'm not speaking out of trouble. Yeah, no, I, no. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. You're, you're right. Okay, I was like, I was like, wait, we did talk. Okay, yeah. Next week there'll be more to explore about this and about why um, more of more. Well, I guess we did cover the why. I'm not about to talk about what we're about to talk about next week. You'll you'll hear next week, of course. Um, but yeah, think I do want to say, I guess. Um, Thank you to Mamie yeah. Till for, like like we said earlier, for, you know, bearing all that she had to bear um, <clears throat> for us, for other black women, um, for every single black person in this country, um, because you didn't really have to do that. Um, because she could have sat with her grief and had it be hers and taken that pain and gone through her life being the only one who knew what happened to her son but um, yeah so I just want to say thank you to Mamie for letting us in to her story for introducing us to her joyous son Emmett and um allowing us to take on that pain with you um yeah that's kind of where i would i think we're like to end off absolutely i think we're good to close there um Mm -hmm. this is for mamie this is for emmett and thank you all so Mm -hmm. much for listening today thank you for saying that victoria of course all right we'll see y'all next week Bye.